Welcome to this episode of Northwest Passages, a program that features authors or stories with a connection to the Pacific Northwest that we find particularly moving, well-written, or otherwise notable. I'm the host and producer, Douglas Furr, and for the next four weeks, we will feature passages from Ken Casey's Sometimes a Great Notion, a story about an Oregon logging family set in the 1960s. If the name Ken Kesey sounds familiar, he's also the author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The first passage we'll hear today is from the first few pages of the book, introducing us to the little logging town of Wakanda, where a union strike and an independent family of loggers begin to clash. Along the western slopes of the Oregon coastal range, come look. The hysterical crashing of tributaries as they merge into the Wakanda-Agua River. The first little washes flashing like thick rushing winds through sheep, sorrel, and clover, ghost fern and nettle, shearing, cutting, forming branches, then through bearberry and salmonberry, blueberry and blackberry, the branches, cra- the branches crashing into creeks, into streams. Finally, in the foothills through tamarack and sugar pine, shittim bark and silver spruce, and the green and blue mosaic of Douglas fir, The actual river falls 500 feet, and look, opens out upon the fields. Metallic at first, seen from the highway down through the trees, like an aluminum rainbow, like a slice of alloy moon. Closer, becoming organic, a vast smile of water with broken and rotting pilings, jagged along both gums, foam clinging to the lips. Closer still, it flattens into a river, flat as a street cement gray with a texture of rain. Flat as a rain-textured street, even during flood season because of a channel so deep and a bed so smooth, no shallows to set up buckwater rapids, no rocks to rile the surface, nothing to indicate movement except the swirling clots of yellow foam skimming seaward with the wind, and the thrusting groves of flooded bam, bent taut and trembling by the pull of silent dark momentum. A river smooth and seeming calm, hiding the cruel, file edge of its current beneath a smooth and calm-seeming surface. The highway follows its northern bank. The ridges follow its southern. No bridges span its first ten miles, and yet, across, on that southern shore, an ancient two-story wood-frame house rests on a structure of tangled steel, of wood and earth and sacks of sand, like a two-story bird with split-shake feathers sitting fierce in its tangled nest. Look. Rain drifts about the windows. Rain filters through a haze of yellow smoke issuing from a mossy stone chimney into slanting sky. The sky runs gray, the smoke wet yellow. Behind the house, up in the shaggy hem of mountainside, these colors mix in windy distance, making the hillside itself run a muddy green. On the naked bank between the yard and Humming River's edge, a pack of hounds pads back and forth, whimpering with cold and brute frustration, whimpering and barking at an object that dangles out of their reach, over the water, twisting and untwisting, swaying stiffly at the end of a line tied to the tip of a large fir pole, jutting out of a top-story window. Twisting and stopping and slowly untwisting in the gusting rain, eight or ten feet above the flood's current, a human arm, tied at the wrist, just the arm, look, 
disappearing downward at the frayed shoulder where an invisible dancer performs twisting pirouettes for an enthralled audience. Just the arm turning there above the water. For the dogs on the bank, for the blinking rain, for the smoke, the house, the trees, and the crowd calling angrily from across the river, Stamper! Hey, goddamn you anyhow, Hank Stamper! And for anyone else who might care to look. East, back up the highway still in the mountain pass where the branches and creeks still crash and roar, the Union President, Jonathan Bailey Drager, drives from Eugene toward the coast. He is in a strange mood, owing largely, he knows, to a fever picked up with his touch of influenza, and feels at once oddly deranged and still quite clear-headed. Also, he looks forward to the day both with pleasure and dismay. Pleasure because he will soon be leaving this waterlogged mud wallow. Dismay because he has promised to have Thanksgiving dinner in Wakanda with the local representative, Floyd Evanwright. Drager does not anticipate a very enjoyable afternoon at the Evanwright household. The few times he had occasion to meet with Evanwright at his home during this stamper business, those times were certainly no joy. But he is in good humor nevertheless. This will be the last of the stamper business, the last of this whole Northwest business for a good long time, Knockwood. After today, he can get back down south and let some of that good old California vitamin D dry up this blasted skin rash. Always get skin rash up here, an athlete's foot all the way to the ankle. The moisture, it's certainly no wonder that this area has two or three natives a month take that one-way dip. It's either drown your blasted self or rot. That was a passage from the book, Sometimes a Great Notion, by Ken Kesey. The title of that book comes from the folk song, Goodnight Irene, made popular by the singer Leadbelly in the 1930s. You can learn more about the author by searching University of Oregon plus Ken Kesey. That school houses the Ken Kesey's collection. Thanks to Connie Furr for her excellent reading. Northwest Passages is a KSQM Studios production. (laughs) 